0: This week's ACCP Emergency Medicine PRN Journal Club presentation. I'm your host, Christian Kroll, an emergency medicine and ICU pharmacist at the University of Iowa Hospital and Clinics. To view this recorded presentation, head to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at ACCP E-M-E-D PRN. And for PRN members, slides can be found under the business document section on the ACCP emergency medicine PRN website.
1: Hannah Rowell is a 2024 PharmD candidate at the University of Toledo College of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Science. Today, she will be presenting on identifying children likely to benefit from antibiotics for acute sinusitis, a randomized clinical trial. Thank you very much for the introduction. As Dr. Huntrod says, my name is Hannah Rowell. I'm currently a fourth year PharmD student at the University of Toledo College of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences in Toledo, Ohio. After graduation, I'm very interested in pursuing an emergency medicine residency, so I'm incredibly grateful to the ACCP EMED PRN for letting me present as a student today, and I look forward to interacting with more of you in the future. Today I'll be sharing with you an article that was published in the July 2023 edition of the Journal of American Medical Association entitled Identifying Children Likely to Benefit from Antibiotics for Acute Sinusitis by Sheka et al. A few objectives for today's presentation will be to review the literature and guidelines regarding acute bacterial sinusitis in children, to outline a recent study about those antibiotic benefits, and to analyze the study strengths, limitations, and application to practice. The reason the study stood out to me is because we know that pharmacists have a role in promoting antimicrobial stewardship in many areas of practice, especially in the ER. So in a published study from 2019, which was a cross-sectional retrospective study of pediatric patients discharged from ERs, there was an average of 29 million pediatric emergency visits every year. Out of the 29 million visits, 23%, or 6.7 million, resulted in an antibiotic being prescribed. About half of those were associated with acute respiratory tract infections and bacterial sinusitis, as we'll be discussing later, is one of the most common in our pediatric patients. And about a third of those prescribed antibiotics were for conditions where antibiotics aren't generally indicated, which was about 2 million unnecessary antibiotics prescribed every year. So as pharmacists, we have a huge opportunity, especially in the emergency department to help guide appropriate antibiotic prescribing and cut down on those unnecessary prescriptions. As a brief review, the American Academy of Pediatrics, or the AAP Clinical Practice Guideline for Diagnosis and Management of Acute Bacterial Sinusitis, breaks down the definition for acute bacterial sinusitis into three categories based on presentation. There's persistent illness, which is nasal discharge or daytime cough, or both, which lasts more than 10 days without improvement. A worsening course, which is that same nasal discharge or daytime cough, or the addition of a fever after some additional initial improvement or severe onset, which is presentation with a fever and purulent nasal discharge for at least three days. According to the same guidelines, management should really be determined based on that presentation. So if a child comes in with persistent illness, the clinician can decide to pursue antibiotic therapy or recommend additional observation without an antibiotic for three days. However, if the child presents with a severe onset or worsening course, antibiotic therapy would be indicated. Amoxicillin with or without clavulanate is the first-line treatment, and in our children where we're not really worried about antimicrobial resistance, like someone who doesn't go to daycare or uh, hasn't had antibiotic treatment in the last four weeks, we can use amoxicillin alone. However, if it is more complicated or there is a risk of antimicrobial resistance, then they recommend the addition of clavulanate. Those AAP guidelines were based on three placebo-controlled randomized controlled trials that were published in the last 30-ish years. Uh, two of those trials were conducted by Wald et al. and a third by Garbutt et al. In the two trials by Wald, they found that the overall cure rate when using an antibiotic was favorable compared to that those children that didn't receive any antibiotic therapy. However, in the Garbutt et al. trial, after two weeks, there was not a significant difference in the improvement rate based on amoxicillin or amoxicillin clavendulate versus placebo. All of these trials were relatively small. It's hard to recruit in a pediatric population to begin with, and the third trial by Wald et al. didn't meet power, and they also didn't have a validated symptom assessment tool. So the primary author for the study that we'll be looking at today, Sheka, and some other researchers from the University of Pittsburgh developed the pediatric rhinocytocytis symptom scale. So this is an eight-item parent-reported scale used to monitor the symptoms of acute bacterial sinusitis in children's age 2 to 12. It's used so investigators can monitor response to therapy in groups of children over time. It uses a Likert scale, so if the answer is no, it is equivalent to zero points. If it's an extreme amount, it is five points, which gives us a general overall score range of zero to 40, and the greater the score, the greater the symptom burden. Symptom resolution would be defined as a score of three or less. So with that bit of background, we can move on to discussing the trial itself, which again is identifying children likely to benefit from antibiotics for acute sinusitis, a randomized clinical trial by Sheka et al. The objective of this study was to assess if antibiotic therapy could be appropriately withheld in pre-specified subgroups. Those two subgroups were the presence or absence of nasopharyngeal con- colonization with respiratory pathogens, which they looked at streptococcus pneumoniae, homophilus influenza, or moraxella catarrhalis, and the presence or absence of colored nasal discharge. It was a multicenter, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, and parallel group trial conducted between February of 2016 and April of 2022 at primary care offices affiliated with six U.S. urban and suburban institutions. Children were included if they were 2 to 11 years old and if they had persistent or worsening sinusitis according to the AAP guidelines that we discussed previously. They also had to have a baseline score of at least 9 on the pediatric rhinosinusitis symptom scale. Children were excluded if they had severe sinusitis, again by the AAP guideline definition, if their symptoms could be explained by asthma or allergic rhinitis, if they had an immunocompromised condition, an allergy to the study antibiotic, systemic antibiotic use within 15 days, concurrent infections, or prior sinus surgery. Children were randomized one-to-one in blocks of four and stratified by the presence or absence of that colored nasal discharge. They either received a 10-day course of oral treatment with a high-dose amoxicillin clavulanate, which was 90 mg per kg per day of amoxicillin and 6.4 mg per kg per day of the clavulanate in two divided doses or a matching placebo. So on day one, families were oriented to the PRSS score. A nasopharyngeal specimen was collected from the child. They were stratified based on that nasal... Uh, discharge color, and then randomized. From days two to 11, the parents would complete a nightly electronic diary, which had the PRSS score, recorded any adverse events, and assessed adherence. If at any time the parents were concerned that their child was getting worse or not getting better, they could call and have an interim visit. And study investigators also looked at the PRSS score every morning. So if they noted that the scores were not improving or getting worse, they could also call for that interim visit. If the interim visit occurred, they could decide to prescribe a rescue antibiotic, but they did not break the blind and that child would still be followed for the rest of the study. On the final day, between days 12 and 18, they had a final visit to get one more nasopharyngeal specimen and collect a final PRSS score. For the primary endpoint, they assessed the between group difference in symptom burden, which was assessed by the mean PRSS score in the 10 days following diagnosis where the child was either receiving antibiotic therapy or placebo. Additional endpoints included treatment failure, which could be worsening at any time, no change within two days, a failure to improve by three days, the PRSS score being decreased at two instances later in therapy, or if they were still symptomatic at that end of visit. It was also looking at the development of acute otitis media or the receipt of a systemic antibiotic for any indication. Investigators also assessed the incidence of adverse events, which included clinically significant diarrhea, generalized rash, or antimicrobial resistance developing, which was evaluated through an end of study nasopharyngeal culture showing the emergence of non susceptible strep or beta lactamase positive Haemophilus influenza. A few additional exploratory analyses that we'll discuss later would be the time to symptom resolution, a number needed to treat for those significant dichotomous outcomes, and then the treatment effect defined by the presence or absence of strep pneumoniae or Haemophilus influenza, specifically excluding Moraxella cateralis. For statistical analysis, they use general linear models to assess the between-group difference in symptom burden and test for any interactions between the treatment efficacy and that presence of color discharge or bacterial pathogens. It was adjusted for the baseline PRSS score. It was adjusted for the date of diary entry, study site. They used long binomial regression and for time to event outcomes, they used Cox proportional hazards models, both of which were adjusted for study site and colored nasal discharge. The analysis was run as intent to treat. So any children who were randomized and eligible and had at least one day of a symptom diary entry were included in the primary efficacy outcome. Study investigators guessed that to use an 80% power, with a two-sided alpha a two-sided test and an alpha of 0.025 they would need roughly 344 children per treatment group. So when we look at the actual enrollment in the trial, 515 student, 515 patients were initially randomized. Five of those were taken out later on because it was found that they were ineligible after randomization. 14 more were excluded because they had no diary journal entries to assess the primary outcome. So in the end, we had 496 children with sufficient data to determine that primary outcome. 246 of those children received amoxicillin clavulanate and 250 received placebo. So they did not hit that estimated 344 children per treatment group. Looking at the baseline characteristics for the children who were randomized, about two-thirds of the children were in a younger age group of 2 to 5 years old, even though our overall study looked at children between 2 and 11, or that date right before their 12th birthday. The median age in the amoxicillin clavulanate group was 4.9 years old, and in the placebo group, 5.1 years old. About half of the children were white, but there was a substantial portion of Black children included as well, as there was around a third of the children who represented themselves or who identified as Black or African American. And at presentation, majority of the patients had a persistent presentation, so they had been having illness for 10 days or more. Looking at the characteristics based on the two subgroups that were evaluated, 71% of children did have bacterial pathogens of interest in their nasopharynx at time of enrollment, and 67% had colored nasal discharge. So, moving on to results, for the overall primary outcome, they looked at that between group difference in the symptom burden assessed by the mean score on PRSS over 10 days following diagnosis. In the amoxicillin clavulanate group, the average score was 9.04, while in the placebo group, it was 10.6, which gave a tween group difference of negative 1.69, favoring the amoxicillin clavulanate group. This graph shows the trend of those mean scores over the 10 days of treatment after their diagnosis. And you can see that in the antibiotic group, they consistently had a lower symptom burden on all days except day two. The medium length of time to symptom resolution in the antibiotic group was seven days and in the placebo group, it took nine days. When we look at the subgroups of that primary endpoint, in the pathogen subgroup for children who did have a pathogen detected in their nasopharynx, the between group difference was negative 1.95 points favoring the antibiotic. And in children with no pathogen detected, the between group difference was negative 0.88. So there was a statistically significant smaller between group difference in the children with, without pathogens in their nasopharynx. When looking at the colored nasal discharge, the between group difference for children with colored nasal discharge was negative 1.62, while the children with clear nasal discharge was negative 1.7, so there was not a statistically significant difference in that mean score over time based on the color of nasal discharge. For some of the additional endpoints, they determined that children receiving antibiotic therapy were less likely to have treatment failure or require additional systemic antibiotics due to persistent or worsening sinusitis symptoms rather than for a new infection, and that the proportion of children with clinically significant diarrhea was higher in the group receiving an antibiotic versus the group receiving placebo. So the author's conclusion was that overall antibiotic therapy shortened the duration of symptoms and decreased symptom burden. Children without pathogens in their nasopharynx didn't benefit as much from antibiotic therapy as children who did have pathogens present and that the color of nasal discharge should not influence therapeutic decisions because there was no significant correlation. For some of the strengths and limitations of this study, it was an intent-to-treat trial, so it's more real-world, applicable, multi multicenter, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial, and all of the diagnostic criteria was based on those recent AAP guideline definitions. The authors' recognized strengths were that it was a hypothesis-driven examination of the treatment effect with those pre-specified variables. It was a large population compared to previous trials, so in the three placebo-controlled randomized trials that were used to generate the AAP guidelines, 111 patients received placebo, whereas in this group alone, we had 250, so it's quite a bit larger. They also had the validated PRSS outcome, which was lacking in prior trials, and the use of an electronic symptom diary helped minimize any missing data. As far as limitations, patients were still primarily white, although we did see a larger portion of Black patients than we see in some studies, and it focused on the younger age group of 2 to 5 years old, even though we were looking at a population of 2 to 11 years old. The target sample size was not met because of the COVID-19 pandemic, so we originally wanted 344 patients per treatment arm, and we ended up with 496 patients overall. Some of the author-identified limitations would be that there was no assessment of change in gut microbiome due to those antibiotics, which could be a detriment of antibiotic therapy. They excluded any patients with severe sinusitis. Children whose parents consented to having them included in the trial were more likely to already have colored nasal discharge and a higher PRSS score. And they use nasopharyngeal specimens because it's a lot more convenient than using sinus aspiration, which was the technically gold standard for diagnosing those nasal pathogens. So based on the finding of the study, it suggests the presence of an azopharyngeal pathogen could indicate that a child might benefit from antibiotic therapy. So there are four potential strategies that could be implemented in a primary care setting or in the ER. You could use presumptive antibiotic treatment with no pathogen testing. This mostly reflects current practice where we just give someone an antibiotic, but we don't necessarily have a culture to follow up on and leads to the overprescribing of antibiotics in our patients could also use presumptive antibiotic treatment with pathogen testing and antibiotic discontinuation if those test results are negative. Logistically, it could be difficult because we might lose patients to follow up after they leave the ER and healthcare workers in the ER already have a lot on their hands. So adding additional tasks like calling to follow up on results or running that test could be a barrier to implementing this. Another strategy would be giving antibiotic treatment contingent on positive test results. This would significantly reduce antibiotic use. So just looking at the patients included in this study, if only the patients who had nasopharyngeal colonization received antibiotics, there would have been a 28% reduction in antibiotic use. So it's a significant difference. And we also have the benefit that if we run a culture ahead of time, you know what pathogens are present and you can guide antibiotic choice based on those pathogens. However, again, we have increased time and workload burden and increased costs for those tests. The final option, which is already mentioned in the AAP guidelines would be watchful waiting without antibiotics. However, this can be undesirable for a child and family who's already had someone feeling sick for 10 days They may not wanna wait an additional three days and see what happens when they don't feel great. Ultimately, it still comes down to a risk benefit analysis with the patient and the family and shared decision-making with that clinician. So some further discussion on this, when deciding if an antibiotic is appropriate to prescribe, we need to see if the antibi- if the infection really necessitates an antibiotic. So in the children that received an antibiotic, there was a median two-point symptom burden score reduction, and they had their symptoms resolved two days sooner. So depending on the family, that may or may not feel significant. And we also had an increased risk of clinically significant diarrhea when antibiotics were given. So 11% of patients in the amoxicillin clavinulate group had diarrhea while only 5% in the placebo group did. The placebo group also still improved without any antibiotic therapy. So 26% of patients in the placebo group did end up requiring that rescue antibiotic due to persistent or worsening symptoms but so did 14% of patients in the amoxicillin clavulanate group. So if we look at those stats, that means that around three quarters of patients who were given placebo and no antibiotics still improved over the 10 days of follow-up. Another thing to consider when we're looking at if an antibiotic could be prescribed or not is can I order something to try and diagnose what's going on? So pathogen testing, but pathogen presence doesn't always correlate with infection. In the, second, in the exploratory analysis, they found that treatment efficacy was primarily due to haemophilus influenza and strep pneumoniae, not more axella So if we're testing for all three pathogens, it may not always mean that all three of those pathogens mean we should go with antibiotics. So in terms of further research, I would like to see more about the practicality and development of point-of-care testing for those acute sinusitis pathogens. We have a rapid antigen test already available for strep pneumoniae, but we don't have affordable and easily accessible strep uh, testing for haemophilus influenza or Moraxella catarralis. I would also like to see the feasibility of culture callback programs for pediatric patients with acute sinusitis. And lastly, I would like to see a trial including patients with severe sinusitis and a trial that meets a larger sample size that hits power to see if there is really no benefit due to, or no correlation when there is colored nasal discharge because that didn't necessarily line up with previous trials in adult populations. So overall, the current study suggested that antibiotics could provide mild relief in symptom burden in children with acute bacterial sinusitis, especially if they have pathogens in their nasopharynx, but we still have a ways to go before point of care testing becomes the golden standard for these patients. With that, I am happy to answer any questions.
0: If you have enjoyed this presentation content and would like to hear more, subscribe via your favorite podcasting app. Additionally, make sure to check out our YouTube page for all recorded presentations. Thank you for listening to this week's ACCP Emergency Medicine Journal Club presentation. Join us weekly for review and discussion of new journal articles in emergency medicine. This podcast provides general information only and does not offer individualized medical or professional health care services, including pharmaceutical advice. The contents and materials in the podcast are not intended to be a substitute for inpatient pharmaceutical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And the use of the contents and materials in the podcast does not constitute a pharmacist-patient relationship. As a result, the information in and materials linked to this podcast are applied at the user or patient's risk. Users or patients should consult their physician or personal healthcare professional. The user or patient should not ignore or delay seeking care because of something they heard on this podcast. In case of an emergency, the user or patient should contact their physician, call 911, or go to the nearest medical emergency facility. The views and statements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guest and should not be interpreted to reflect the official position or policy of ACCP or the Emergency Medicine PRN.